It's kind of been a foretaste of glory as we've sung today, seen the children singing and Hosanna to the King. We turn this morning to Mark's account of Palm Sunday, Mark chapter 11, and we read verses 1 through 10. Mark 11, verses 1 through 10. As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. They went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. Some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. They brought the colt to Jesus and put their coats on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their coats in the road, and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from the fields. Those who went in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day and for the privilege to gather here to worship you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are indeed among us as we share in your word today. And I pray that our response to your presence here would be that of acknowledging you for who you really are. The one who has come to save us. The one who has come to give us life. The one who became sin for us. The one who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And Father, we pray that you would take now the words that you have given by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit and apply them to our lives today. May we truly understand who Jesus is and why he came and receive him as our Lord and Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. If your Bible is like mine, it is given the heading, The Triumphal Entry. And even though this is described as the triumphal entry, I suppose you could make an argument that it really wasn't much of a triumph. If you consider that here were people that really didn't understand who Jesus was, at least many of them, they were gathered there in that crowd shouting praises to him. And then just a few days later, I wonder how many of them were also now shouting, crucify him. A triumphal entry. And yet there is a sense in which this indeed was a day of triumph. And I would suggest to you that there are three ways in which that is true. We notice, first of all, the triumph of Jesus' word. The triumph of Jesus' word. When Jesus sent two of his disciples into the village, he gave them some very detailed instruction. He said, go into the village opposite you, verse 2, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there 
on which no one yet has ever sat, and tie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. Now, if Jesus just simply said, I want you to go into the village, see if you can find a colt. Bring it here so I can ride on it into the city. That would have been just kind of an ordinary event. It wouldn't have meant a whole lot to the disciples. And I'm sure they would have found one and, and brought it to Jesus. But Jesus gave them some very detailed instructions. He said, as, as you enter the city, you will find a colt there. It is a colt that has never been ridden on before. You untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone says to you, why are you bringing it? Why are you untying this? Tell him that I need it and he will give it to you. Well, that was very specific, very detailed instruction. And I would suggest to you that Jesus had a very good reason for giving his disciples this instruction. He wanted them to see that they could always trust his word. As God in human flesh, Jesus would be faithful to his word, that they would find it exactly as he said it. And that's exactly what happened when they came into the city. They found this colt there. The bystanders said, why are you doing this? And they said, the Lord has needed it. And they gave it and he brought it back exactly as Jesus had said. And you see, the disciples were going to need to trust his word in the days to come because their faith was going to be tested. They were going to go out into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Would they believe that Jesus would be with them as he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age? They were going to be brought before kings and governors for his sake. Would they also trust that Jesus would give them the words to say as he promised them? They were going to be persecuted for his sake. Would they trust Jesus' word that the reward would be great in heaven? And so in all of these circumstances that they were going to face one day, their faith would be tested would they trust the promise of His Word? And maybe they would remember what Jesus had said here and how He had been faithful to His Word. That He would continue to keep every promise that He had made. I remember when I was in college and just really struggling with, what, God, what do you want to do with my life? And coming to that place of, of saying, Okay, Lord. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to go where do you want me to go. And then I sense a call into ministry and then just kind of, well, wait a minute, Lord. You really, can you really use me? <laughs> really use me? And I looked at my dad and I saw, you know, the ministry that he had. And I saw, you know, I, I don't think I could ever be like him. And just that battle going on. Lord, do you really want to use me? Can I really trust your word that you'll use me? And I came across a passage that was shared in devotions the other morning from 1 Peter chapter 4, and it really gave me freedom. In verse 10 it says, As each one has received a special gift, employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, 
Whoever speaks is to do so as one speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do, uh, do so as one who is serving by the strength that God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And I remember reading that verse and thinking, Okay, God, if you've given me a gift, then I need to use that gift. If you've given me strength to use that gift, I can trust you. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know where you'll lead me. I don't know how you will use me. But God, I need to trust your word. And as I stood on that promise in that passage, it gave me the courage and the strength to say, Yes, Lord, I'm willing to follow you. I believe the promise of your word. And you can stand on these promises today. You can believe what Jesus said. Just as He said on that Palm Sunday, this is what you will find. It happened exactly as He said. He is faithful. And that Palm Sunday, we see the triumph of Jesus' Word. What He says, He will do. A second triumph that day is the triumph of a disciple's obedience. The triumph of a disciple's obedience. In response to Jesus' command to go and and find that colt, these two disciples obeyed, and, and they found it just exactly as Jesus said. And there were some bystanders. Mark, Mark describes them as bystanders. Luke says it was actually the, the owners of the colt. And they questioned the two disciples, then what are you doing? You know, this is my colt. What are you doing untying this thing? And they said exactly what Jesus told them to say, that the Lord has need of it. And when they heard that the Lord has need of it, there was no questions asked. If Jesus needs it, take it. Let him use it. One man says the mere mention of the fact that Jesus needed the colt was enough to secure immediate and unqualified assent. Jesus needs it, that's fine. You go ahead and take it. William Hendrickson makes this comment. He says, A very important practical application must not escape our attention. It is clear from this passage and from many others that in addition to the twelve disciples, Jesus had many other disciples, men and women who stood ready to serve Him in various ways. He goes on, there must have been a large number of supporters in Judea, Galilee, Perea, and wherever the Lord went. Whether it was a place of lodging, a cult, a room in which to celebrate the Passover, or even at last a tomb. Whatever it was that he needed, if they had it, these friends were ready to provide it. That one word, the Lord needs it, was all that was required. I started thinking, is that our response to Jesus? When He asks you to serve in some way, do you respond with obedience? Could Jesus say of you and me today, if we were told the Lord has need of it, that we would gladly say, yes, Lord, it's yours. My life, my things, my possessions, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, it is yours. I give it to you. The triumph of a disciple's obedience. But then thirdly, we see the triumph here of God's love. The triumph of God's love. 
If you look at what the crowds did and what the crowds said that first Palm Sunday, it was certainly a fitting response to the coming of a king. Verse 7, they brought the colt to Jesus, put their coats on it, and he sat on it. They spread their coats in the road, and, and they brought these palm branches, and, and they were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is his coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. But if you were to ask the people who were gathered there that day who it was they were praising, I wonder how many of them really understood why Jesus came. How many of them really understood who is this man who is riding on this colt into the city that day? You see, these people were pilgrims. They were on their way to celebrate the Passover, the feast that reminded them of that deliverance from bondage in Egypt. And I'm sure there was one question on the minds of most of them, thinking of that deliverance of the bondage of Egypt. Who is going to deliver us? Who is going to set us free from the bondage of, of the Roman government? I can't help but think that a lot of them, as they journeyed there that day, were thinking, Oh God, deliver us. Give us freedom from the rule of, of Rome. After feeding the 5,000, some had already figured that Jesus was the one who would do that. In John chapter 6, verse 15, it says that they tried to take him by force and make him their king. And, and Jesus withdrew from them because he was not to be the one that overthrew Rome. And we're told that Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And John tells us that this is why many people came out to meet him. They wanted to see this one who had resurrected this guy that had been dead in the tomb. His body was decaying and he, he brought him back to life. And so there was a crowd that was coming with him and there was a crowd that went out to, to meet him that day. And just think, here's the one who could feed the hungry. Here's the one who could raise the dead. Here's the one who could certainly deliver them from Rome. And that's why it's not surprising that Luke says that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, in the midst of all the fanfare and all the, the shouting of Hosanna, Jesus sees the city and he weeps because he realizes they don't understand what's to come. You did not recognize your day of visitation, Jesus said. Your enemies are going to come and, and they're going to break down the wall. And they're going to destroy this place. You missed it. You didn't understand that this was your day of visitation. And so viewed from the perspective of the crowd, that day was a, a tragedy in, in many ways. But as far as our salvation is concerned, what Jesus did was a triumph of His love that day. Because He fully realized that the enthusiasm of the crowd as He came into Jerusalem was going to stir up the hatred and the anger of those religious leaders. That they were going to carry out His crucifixion, put Him to death. But that did not stop Him. Because His purpose for coming to this world was to go to the cross. It was to die for us. 
So intensely did He love us that He was willing to lay down His life for us. From the perspective of Jesus then, and of all those who adored Him for who He really was, Palm Sunday was a triumph. A triumph of God's marvelous, wonderful, amazing, matchless grace and love that He would be willing to lay down His life for sinners like you and like me. Is Palm Sunday a triumph from your perspective? Has Jesus made His entrance into your life as your Lord and your Savior? The songs that we sang today, Hosanna to Jesus, is He really your Savior? Or these are just songs that you sing like the crowd did that day, and then you walk out of church and, and you don't really know Him as your Savior. I wonder how many people come to church on Palm Sunday and sing the hymns and then walk out, they really don't know who Jesus is really don't have a living relationship with Him, really don't understand who Jesus is or why He came, wouldn't that be a tragedy? For you to come on this Sunday and you you hear the children singing and, and you sing these praises to Jesus and you really don't know Him. Just like many in the crowd that day in Jerusalem. Don't miss Jesus today. He's come to give His life for you. He came because you need a Savior. He took your sin to the cross. He paid the price for you. He died in your place. Don't miss Him today. Receive Him as your Savior and Lord. Put your trust in Him that what He did on the cross is His finished work. Paid in full. Jesus paid it all. All to Him we all. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. I trust you know the Jesus of Palm Sunday, the real Jesus, the one who took your sin, nailed it to the cross, and wants to be your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You that on that Palm Sunday You knew what was to happen just days after. You knew that the the, the shouting of praises to you would turn into shouts of crucify him. You knew that a criminal, an insurrectionist, Barabbas, would be released instead of you. You knew that you would be spit upon. You knew that you would be beaten. You knew that you would be scourged. You knew that you would be nailed to a cross. But you willingly laid down your life that you might take it up again. Lord, thank you that you did that for me. Thank you that you died in my place. And you died in the place of all those today, Lord, that would put their trust in you. And so I pray that in this Palm Sunday, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here who does not really know you, Can I really say that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord? I have put my trust in Him. That, Father, You would draw them to Yourself today. 
that you would reveal to them who Jesus is, why he came, and that they would see themselves as sinful creatures in need of a Savior. Lord, do your work in our midst this morning for the glory and the praise of your name. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.